This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Could bad habits be costing you ducks in the woods? Well, in this episode, I'm going to help you identify and fix five top duck hunting bad habits. Hey, this is George with the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. And today I want to talk to you about bad habits for duck hunting or waterfowl hunting in general. But before I do, guys, I really want to ask you, send me your comments, send me your messages, send me your questions, send me ideas for new shows. I would love to hear from you guys. You know, send them through the website, newhuntersguide.com. I've got a contact form. I read and reply to every single message that comes through that's a genuine message. You can send them on Facebook. You can send them on YouTube. And you can go to iTunes, leave a five-star review with a comment. And you can put a comments in those. I read every single comment that gets posted to an iTunes review. It's also the number one way to help the channel grow. I don't need it for my ego, but it definitely helps the show reach more people. It impacts the algorithm and so on. But today, bad habits. It's not a matter of if you have any bad habits. It's a matter of which bad habits do you have and what can we do to fix them. Most hunters with bad habits don't realize they have bad habits. The honest ones will say, yeah, I probably do have bad habits, even if I don't know what they are, because you know, I'm not bringing home a limit of ducks by 8 a.m. every day, so obviously something could be better. Um, and while that's not always connected to bad habits, there are certainly a lot of bad habits that duck hunters, waterfowl hunters in general have, and every one of those that we can improve is going to improve our chances of bringing ducks home. And guys, I'm going to just be completely straight and honest with you. You will bring more ducks home by fixing bad habits 
than you will by buying more gear. You cannot spend your way out of bad habits. You cannot overcompensate for bad habits by buying more, better, fancier, higher price gear, by getting a better shotgun, better decoys, better calls, better ammo. You know, I'm a gear guy. I like gear. I enjoy gear. I appreciate it. I like the process of researching it and buying it and testing it and using it. To me, it's fun. I don't so much love the process of exchanging my money for it, but I really like gear. But guys, the bottom line is gear does more for convenience than it does for efficacy. Gear seldom makes a significant difference in bringing home more bu- more ducks. There are some exceptions to that. There, there are certainly times where you know, better ammo is going to improve your chances that, to knock down the birds that you shoot at and hit. That's a real thing. You know, a nice auto-loading shotgun that maybe reduces recoil over your light single-shot mule-kicking shotgun is going to help you stay on target and get more shots and maybe perhaps bring home more birds. Um, you know, those are all real things. There's certainly kinds of gear and things that can give you an, an edge They can give you an advantage, but nothing can make up for bad habits, things that you're doing that are destroying your chances and hurting your odds. So let's go ahead and jump right into this list. Number one, I didn't say these are the five worst bad habits. These are just five of the worst bad habits. These are the five I'm going to talk about today. There are certainly more than five. There may be others that are more important, but these are the ones that we're covering on this episode. Number one bad habit, and I'm going to say this is maybe the biggest one, not practicing. All right, guys, you cannot overcompensate with money and gear and guns and ammo and equipment versus practice. You have to practice. If you're a lousy shot, nothing else matters. You can get great opportunities. You can get birds in just the way you want them, the right direction, the right angle, the right timing, the right everything. If you can't hit them, then you can't bring birds home. And then of course, there there are less than ideal circumstances. And too often, hunters go into the woods and they shoot an entire box of ammo and bring home one or two birds. And what's sadder than missing a lot of birds is hitting and crippling a lot of birds, putting one or two pellets in a non-vital area and causing that bird to die a slow, painful death over the course of days and weeks. That's terrible. And it's bad for the bird population. It's bad for the hunters. bad for just the suffering of those animals. Uh, You got to be able to hit what you're shooting at and hit it well. And you got to practice. If you don't practice, you're doing yourself a disservice. And people say, well, I don't have money to practice. Well, that's a real thing. You know, practice isn't cheap. The best way to practice is to go to a sporting place course. And I've done a couple of YouTube videos talking about this sort of thing and even one just really focusing in on it. Uh, So you can find those to to learn a little bit more and get some more detail here. But guys, nothing is better than sporting clays. And, And there's a difference between trap and skeet and sporting clays. All right, just super fast. 
Trap is when the clay throwing machine is by you and it's throwing them away from you in any which direction, fixed direction, multiple directions, random directions. It's as if you're opening the trap on a cage and letting live birds fly out and shooting at them, which is what they used to do for target practice before they found out, hey, clay birds were a lot cheaper and uh, much more politically friendly. Number two, skeet shooting. Skeet shooting is when the birds are, the clay targets rather, are being released from your right and or your left and they're crossing in front of you or coming in at some angle and you're shooting at those or like a passing shot. Good way to practice. So is trap shooting, but sporting clays is the best. Now, people refer to sporting clays as just the the physical clay targets, and you can call them that, but a sporting clays course is its own specific, unique, distinct, and very professional thing. And that is a course where maybe you have 20 different positions, and you've got you know, an average of five targets per position. Some might be four, some might be six, some could be two, some might be eight. There's all sorts of combinations. It's kind of like a golf course, but with shotguns. So you go to 20 different positions, maybe you even call them holes, and you are going to be shooting at clay targets coming from all different angles, directions, some toward you, some away from you, some crossing in front of you, some high, some low, some floating in like birds landing on the water, some at ridiculous angles that are nearly impossible to hit. And you are going to shoot at a hundred different targets from a hundred different directions, angles, options. It is the best thing I've ever seen at simulating real life hunting. Now, some people, when you say sporting clays, they just think, oh, well, you're just going to take clay targets, get a little hand thrower or mechanical thrower and throw them out in front of you. Well, no, that's, that's trap shooting. You are using sporting clays um, and often they just call them clay targets but you're using clays and you're basically doing trap shooting, which is better than nothing. It's certainly helpful. Trap shooting is very good practice. Uh, But sporting clays courses, kind of like a golf course, but with 100 clay targets and every which angle, it's the single best thing you can do. Now, if all you can do is trap shooting, that is great. If all you can do is skeet shooting, that's great. But if you can find a sporting clays course, there's nothing better. That is the best of the best. There's nothing more you can do than that other than shooting real birds in real life hunting situations. Uh, So find a sporting clays course. There's probably a sporting clays course within an hour or two drive of most people listening to this. You probably don't know about it. You've probably never noticed it, never recognized one. You may have driven by one you know, for years and you just had no idea that's what that was or that's what it was there. Some are club-based, some are open-based, kind of like golfing. Sometimes you have to be a member, sometimes you don't. Get yourself access to some sporting clays. You don't have to do it every week, but to go out and shoot maybe two rounds of sporting clays every year in the off-season is going to dramatically improve your hunting proficiency dramatically. Now it's not cheap. So you're going to be shooting a hundred targets. So you need a hundred shells and the cost of the course. It's just like golfing. You're going to pay fees to go out on the course, have a trapper go with you 
and and throw those clay targets with the machines. So where I like to go local to me, we've got a nice cheap course. It's 50 bucks for the whole course. So you have a 20 position, 100 clay course for $50. You also need 100 shells. So you're talking about $100 or so on the day, depending on the price of ammo. And I'm sure it only goes up from there, right? So you're talking $100 plus, depending on where you live, could be more. Um, so say you do that twice a year, you're looking at 200 bucks a year, maybe 250 a year for sporting clays. And people say, well, I just don't have the money. Well, people like to say that, right? And then somehow they've got $300 waders. And then somehow they've got a, a nice $1,400 shotgun. And then somehow they got, you know, two more boxes of $200 decoys. And then they've got, you know, a case of uh, heavy shot, heavy 12, which is uh, like, what, $600 a case. And then, you know, they, they're just, they, they, they accumulate all kinds of gear throughout the year, uh, but they don't have any money to practice. And so it's just not true. You have money for whatever you prioritize most of the time. There are certainly situations where people are in a bad way. They're strapped. They're trying to get themselves out of a hole. They're, they're trying to get back above water. And yeah, you just, you just need to double down and you need to pay off bills and credit cards and stuff like that and get yourself into a good financial position. Uh, but most hunters aren't really in that position. They're just cheap and... They, they have money for what they deem to be important. All right? They make money for what they deem to be important. And guys, there's all kind of ways you can do this. Right? You just buy a box of shells here and there. Sporting clays loads are usually like $10 a box. Every time you go to Walmart, just pick up a box. You know, you're, you're talking about buying one case of shells a year, which is about 100 bucks. But you can buy them. You can piecemeal it. You can set aside tens and twenties here and there to, to, for your sporting clays course fees. You don't have to just come up with this money all at once. You know, when you work overtime or you get Christmas bonuses or you get tax returns or you have extra money come in for whatever, set aside a few dollars and just make sure you have money in the kitty for sporting clays practice or whatever kind of practice you are able to do when the opportunity comes so that you're able to build your skills as a shooter. Because if you're a bad shooter, it's just not going to happen. Um, doesn't matter what you buy or have. you got to practice. And, you know, the thing about this, guys, is that there's just no other way to do it than to do it. You've got to get out there. And you've got to do it. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. 
Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. People say, well, what's a good average? <laughs> That's a loaded question. That's a loaded question. You know, on a sporting clays course, a good average, I would say, you know, you you first you want to get up so where you're hitting more than you're missing, right? That's a good average. If you get to the point where you're hitting more than you're missing, then you're making great progress. You know, it doesn't score is is it's something about you're just competing with yourself. If you go out the first time and you shoot 25 out of 100, then you have a baseline. If you go out the next time and you shoot 30 out of 100, you have come up a notch. If you go up the next time and you get yourself up to 40 or 50 out of 100, you're imp- that, that is all that matters is improvement for your score against your score. Whatever anybody else shoots in your group, none of that matters. You're trying to get better for you so that you hit more of the ducks that you shoot at. And, you know, I, I would take an average of 50% for people that are in the woods. I'm just being honest with you. A lot of season hunters would balk and scoff at that. They're just not realistic. All right. You just, you've not taken enough new people hunting to have any realistic view of reality. Most new hunters miss almost every shot. That's, that's just the way it is. And if I took a new hunter into the woods and they're going to bring home a duck for 50% of the shells that they shoot, that is fantastic. You know, if you've got less than five years of experience and you're bringing home one duck for every two shells that you shoot, you're doing very well compared to the average of hunters that are out there. Because most hunters are just not there. They want to think that they're there. They want to say that they're there. I mean, here, here's just here's the most classic example. A duck flies by. They shoot three times. Maybe they kill it. Maybe they don't. So that's one duck for three shots. Or if they missed it, three shots, zero ducks. Another duck flies by. They shoot all three times. Maybe they got it. So they got one duck. Now they've shot six shots to get one duck. The odds are bad. The numbers are bad. It's just the way that it is. People are not good shots. And they won't become good shots without practice. And it's going to take a lot of duck hunting to get that practice when you should go to sporting clays courses and you can get a lot of practice in a day with cheaper ammo, lots of different angles and directions and options and build that skill set. So number one bad habit is not practicing. It's also the number one thing you can do to take more ducks. Number two bad habit. We will pick up the pace with these. Number two bad habit is not testing your gear not testing your gear. And I'm talking here specifically about shotguns, shells, and choke tubes. If you buy a new shotgun or you buy new shells or you get new choke tubes, you need to test those. You need to go to the range. You need to see how those things pattern. I mean, any choke tube, any brand of choke tube could change could change the way that it works. You could get two choke tubes from the same brand, same choke tube. You just bought two of them, they could both pattern differently. You need to pattern whatever you're going to be hunting with. You need to know how will this shoot at what ranges. You know, the simplest way to do it, shoot a pattern at 
20, 30, and 40 yards. Three shells, three patterns. You can understand well enough how that load is doing. And then you can know, hey, I've got you know, 80% of my pellets on paper at 40 yards. Okay, well then you can take 40 yard shots with that thing. No problem. If you've got 37% of your pellets on paper at 30 yards, well, a lot of ducks are going to be able to fly through that pattern. I can, I can pretty much just tell you that right now, unless you're like shooting number six shot. That's, it's going to be real hard to bring down birds with that. You should probably shoot closer. You probably need to limit your shots to more like 30 yards. Um, you got to test your gear. You got to know what your capabilities are. If this shotgun shoots two feet to the left at 30 yards, you need to know that before you miss every bird that you shoot at for a year. All right. Don't go into the woods and waste all that time and all those opportunities. If you've got something that is broken or just doesn't work and you have no way of knowing it. I know of a guy that went on a turkey hunt and he had to fly to Mexico and he went on this guided hunt and they handed him a, a loner shotgun because he forgot his at home. And uh, the shotgun had a bent barrel and at 40 yards, it shot two feet to the right. Now, and on a duck, you might still hit that, but on a turkey, complete miss. So he went to the range, he practiced with it. He knew it shot two feet to the right. So he knew to aim two feet to the left course great turkey comes up and in the moment you got the nerves the stress the strain you're excited pulls the trigger missed it by two feet forgot to adjust thankfully before the end of the trip he had another opportunity he aimed two feet left to hit that bird and he did hit it but you know you gotta know if your gear is working right and and you ought to shoot it at least every season just to be sure something didn't happen just to be sure your barrel didn't get bent, your choke tube didn't break. Not that choke tubes often break, but here's the thing. You, if you don't test, you'll never know. All right? You just never know. You got to test your gear. It is a bad habit, and it will cost you if you don't test your gear. If you buy new ammo, even if it's the same ammo you've been using, if you buy a case and it's another lot, Guys, I'm going to I'm going to do an entire either a video or a podcast episode about this coming up soon. But guys, I got news for you. Ammunition companies, they're not doing what you think they're doing, especially in the day and age that we live in with shortages. It is just not what you think it is, guys. You bought a case of shells from that company last season, you bought a case of shells this season. Everything in that shell could be different. It could be a different primer. It could be a different wad. It could be different paper. Um, excuse me, different powder. It could be a different shot. Oh yeah, it's X brand number six shot. X velocity. And yeah, the specs may be the same, but everything in it may be different. It may pattern differently. It may penetrate differently. It might be less effective. It might be less reliable. It might shoot higher or lower. You need to test it. You need to get out there. And you don't need to shoot 100 shells. Probably three, two or three is all you really need to put on paper at a couple ranges to know with the choke tube you're planning to use that, all right, this is, this is, this is what I need. Or this, at least I'm aware of what it's doing. And now I'm aware of what I'm capable of in the woods. So you got to test your gear. Not testing is a bad habit. And it will cost you birds. 
Number three bad habit, not scouting or learning your water. All right, people don't like the scout, takes time, takes energy. I get it. I have limited time. I have limited energy. Um, but you gotta, you know, you gotta, you have to know there are birds in the area if you're gonna go hunting there. You've gotta know there's birds. If there are no birds, you can't shoot any birds. So you gotta have some reason to believe that there's gonna be birds there. And learning your water, this is where I really wanted to focus. I've talked about scouting in previous episodes. You got to learn your water. You need to know how the birds use the water in your area on a regular basis as seasons go on and season after season. Oftentimes, you can identify trends, patterns. They're doing this here, this year, next year, same place same time of the season this is going on and when you learn those things it's never a hundred percent but it may very well be 80 or 90 percent and when you do those things you can build a knowledge base a familiarity to know all right there's a good chance this time of the year there's going to be birds here there's going to be birds there and you learn that by being out there by hunting by scouting by having good experience by having bad experience You know, if you spend an entire month of the season hunting this bend of the river and there's never any birds there, but there are in the early season and there are in the late season, well, you do two years of that in a row, you can be pretty sure there's just something about that time of the season that they don't don't spend time there. Maybe upstream a little bit. The cover and the food is way better. And then that cover and food dies out and gets eaten up. And then they ended up back where they ended up in this spot here in the late season because now it became better at that time of the year. There's all sorts of reasons for it, but if you can identify patterns, you can often just hunt the patterns. After a few years, you can just know where birds are likely to be or not be. And that is the kind of experiential knowledge and, and research that is invaluable, that nobody can gain by just studying on X maps or, you know, just driving around with binoculars. You know, when you're in the woods and you learn your water and you learn year after year how birds use that water and you're willing to go to more than one spot to hunt, you really gain a knowledge that can help you be effective in your area at times when no one else can be. So not scouting and not learning your water is a bad habit. You can't just say, this works every year, so I'm just going to do this every year and nothing else. You're, you're handicapping yourself. Number four bad habit. Relying too much on decoys and calls. Yeah, I said it. Relying too much on decoys and calls. You watch enough TV, you watch enough YouTube, it can be easy to get the impression Then all you need is more decoys, more decoys, more decoys. All you need are better calls, better calls, better calls. Call more, call louder. Just call better and and, and it will happen. Nah, you need to know where the ducks want to be. You need to know where the ducks are going to go. You need to know where the ducks usually are. What the calls and the decoys do is they help bring the ducks in to exactly where you're sitting versus 50 or 60 yards in either direction. 
The decoys and the calls finish the deal. They seal the deal. But the deal is done by being where the birds are, where the birds want to go. Um, you know, if you know exactly where the birds are going to go, you don't need calls or decoys. And a lot of guys have shot a lot of ducks with no calls and or no decoys. Now, often a couple call or a couple decoys and a couple calls can definitely give you an advantage. Sometimes more decoys can help, but not always. And I'd say probably not most of the time. There, there are lots of situations where more decoys is not going to give you more advantage. Um, you know, it, it can be good to have some decoys, but, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody just recently. They said they grew up hunting over blocks of wood that they painted black and white and, and anchored them to rocks and threw them out there and still do and still shoot ducks. And here we are paying $60 a decoy in some situations to get the best custom, super duper, everything decoys. And yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah, they would do work. But it's easy to rely too much on decoys. You shouldn't need hundreds of decoys. You need scouting. You need good spots. And then you need some decoys sometimes to help seal the deal and, and bring it in close to you. Same with calling. You know, calling can absolutely be helpful. You got to know when to call, but you got to know when not to call. You know, I'm always going to take a call into the woods, right? I, I'm i not like some crazy person that thinks you never need to call ducks. There are times you need to call ducks, all right? It's just, just plain reality, all right? But at the same time, you can become over-reliant on calls, being in the right place is more important than being a great caller. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, Log on, and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping when you're ready for your next system log on to midwayusa.com oftentimes having some decoys is more important more important than calling great you know if you, you you throw a few quacks out there and you have some decoys and you're in the right spot so much of the time you can get the ducks now there are situations where just the way the ducks are flying, the way the ducks are working. Unless you're a master caller, you're not going to get those ducks. But that's a percentage. All right? That's a piece of the pie that's not the mo the majority of the pie. Oftentimes, guys, it's a much lower bar than most people make it out to be. Have some calls. Sure, if you want to have some decoys, if where you're hunting is the right kind of area for decoys. And I've done episodes on all these things. You can go back and listen to them all in depth. 
but don't become over-reliant on decoys or calls. You need to be where the ducks want to be, where the ducks want to go. Then some calls, some decoys can help you. But if you just, I've done it, I've gone out and be like, this would be a great place for ducks and throwing out all these decoys and never even saw a duck. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have scouted here first. Yeah, that's exactly, that's, that was the issue from the beginning. No scouting, didn't think, didn't do my homework, didn't have any experiential knowledge to, to back up that there would ever be birds here for some reason. So bad habit, over-reliance. Number five, not being stealthy enough. This is really big. Not being stealthy enough. It's a bad habit. People like to sit in the duck blonde. They like to talk. They like to joke. They like to laugh. They want to cut up. They want to cook hot dogs and hamburgers and eggs and strudels and bake pies. And people do all kinds of stuff. And, and that can all be okay. But you got to be stealthy. When birds are flying around, you got to be still. You got to be quiet. You, you got to... You, first of all, you shouldn't be just completely and totally reckless. Even, you know, duck hunting is a team sport. It can be great to sit in a blind and talk and, and build relationships and have fun. But some people are just reckless and they don't, they don't know how to turn it off at the right times. They don't know how to turn it off. And I'd rather sit there, hardly move all day, and just whisper back and forth with someone and, and risk having, quote, less fun because I'll take more ducks than just sit there talking, throwing our hands up in the air, laughing, skipping stones across the water, you know, cooking chicken and dumplings. You gotta be stealthy. You, you know, if you're gonna cook in the blind, you better well have 100% cover so no birds flying around can see you cooking or see the smoke from you cooking. All right, if, if you're gonna be talking and joking, you better be able to do that without moving a whole lot. Because here's the thing, oftentimes there's birds flying around you don't see, or they see you before you see them. And if you wait till you see the birds, it's too late to be still. So either you've got a blind that gives you enough cover that you can get away with anything, or you just need to learn some stealth. And of course, if you're jump hunting or running and gunning, this matters all the more because you're trying to sneak up on a duck, which is not an easy thing to do. And I've got a bonus one for you today. Bad habit, number six. And this is probably not one that people think about. Not cleaning your gear. Not cleaning your gear is a bad habit. All right? Now, some people, they are anal retentive when it comes to cleaning their shotgun. They get in, they're going to take that shotgun apart down to the last spring and screw, make sure that it's dry, make sure that it's oiled, put it back together. They would not, they would die before they let a speck of rust sit on a shotgun overnight. And that can be a helpful quality, but often those same people, they don't wash their waders, they don't wash their decoys, they don't clean anything else. Um, they take great care of their shotgun and the rest of their stuff languishes. And you need to clean your gear. All right. If you got mud on your waders, you need to clean those waders before you put them up. If you got mud on your decoys, 
where do you think it's going to go? It doesn't just come off. And you're going to throw those decoys back out. They're going to be covered in mud. And then, you know, it's supposed to look like a wood duck, but it's a brown head because it's covered in mud. You got to take care of your stuff. All right. Now, you know, there's certainly different ways to do this. I would prefer to just not put muddy stuff into my decoy bag. But if I do, chances are when I get home, I'm not taking out all my decoys in the garage and hosing them down. That's just not going to happen. I may do that once at the very end of the season before I put all my stuff up, which is good. But more often than not, I'm cleaning them in the field. When I bring them in or when I go to throw them in the water, just dunk that bird in the water, loosen up the mud, try to rub it off with my hand, get it clean. But here's what happens. When stuff stays dirty, that dirt will begin to cake on. It's going to begin, you know, there can be minerals and things in the dirt that could be, could be acidic. It could be alkaline. It could mess up the paint. It could mess up the finish. It could compromise the structural integrity of the waders over time. It can make them more brittle. It can do all sorts of stuff over time that's going to mess up your gear. So you spent all this money on good gear and because it got dirty and you left it dirty, it doesn't last as long or it doesn't work as well. You know, you spend 300 bucks on a pair of waders, get a nice pair of high and dry waders for 300 bucks. Some of the best ones on the market that money can buy. And, you know, that pair of waders on for the average hunter could last five, six years. All right. Maybe longer, but could could certainly last five or six years. But if you don't take care of them, if you don't hang them right, if you don't make sure they're clean before you put them up, you know, you could cut that down to two or three weight, two or three years. And it's not because the quality's not there. It's not because the durability's not there. It's because you just didn't take reasonable care of them. And you don't have to, you know, clean them with a toothbrush. You just got to hose the mud off of them before you hang them up. You just got to get, you know, the, you know, there can be some dirt on them, but you, you just can't leave them caked in mud and all this stuff. And it's just, it's not going to work. It's going to mess them up. It's going to, it's going to have an impact on rubber boots. It's going to have an impact on neoprene boots. It's going to have an impact on plastic. And, you know, it's going to have an impact on decoys and all sorts of stuff. And when you're duck hunting and waterfowl hunting, mud and water just seems to be part of everything. So, of course, you got to take care of your shotgun. Otherwise, that's just going to rust up and you're going to have big problems. But you got to take care of the rest of your gear also. And you don't need to be ridiculous about it, but, you know, you you you, you got to do something to take reasonable care of it if you want to get the lifelong or life expectancy out of it. You know, I'm one, I run the numbers, all right? I calculate, you know, how, how many seasons and what's my cost per season on this piece of gear? How long is this going to last? You know, waders are one of those things where, you know, they're, they're kind of like cell phones. They're only going to last so long. They just, they only last so long before you've either just poked so many holes into them that you can't fix them anymore before they just start to dry rot. Nothing lasts forever, especially 
and waterfowl hunting. There's some deer hunting gear that might last forever, but there's not much duck hunting gear that's going to last forever. At least not without serious maintenance and overhaul. But waders are one of those things. You know, if you get a pair of waders to last three years, that's a good pair of waders these days. If you go to any big box store and you buy a good pair of waders and it lasts you three seasons, that was a good pair of waders. But at the same time, you can jump on Amazon and you can get some super cheap waders for 40 bucks. They're not going to make it through a season. But if you think, hey, 40 bucks for a season, next season I'll get another one. That's cheaper than spending 200 bucks and only getting three seasons out of it. You're actually ahead on that. You're spending less per season for waders. Now you're getting junkier waders. They're not comfortable. They don't keep you warm. They don't do the job well, but they keep you dry and they're functional. And that's a viable strategy for some new hunters that are just trying to break into the sport that don't have the money to buy a good pair. But I run the math on those things. Okay, how many years, how many dollars, what's the cost per dollar on this? What's the cost per dollar on that? How long does a set of decoys last? Depends on how much you use it. Well, based on how much I use them, how long is a set of decoys going to last before they start to, you know, to get grayed out or they start to take bullet holes, they start sinking. How long is a set of decoys going to last? Is it going to last two years, three years, 10 years? How long? And so I look at those things and I'm calculating, all right, if I invest this money in these, is it worth it? Is it going to pay off? What's the cost per year look like? And if you don't take care of it, I mean, you're having or worse the life expectancy of a lot of your gear. And you save up money and you spend money on good gear and just even average gear. And it only lasts half as long as it should. That really puts you behind. That really hurts. And then you end up with subpar gear or you end up without gear that would be helpful. And that's going to impact you while you're hunting in the woods. And it costs nothing to take care of your stuff so that you have it for longer. So guys, I hope this is helpful for you. Every one of these bad habits you can fix. You can work on right now. Not another day has to pass. You can be mindful of them. You can take care of them. You can make progress on them starting tomorrow. Do that. And by doing so, you're going to bring home more birds without spending any money. Now you say, well, now, George, that practicing, that costs money. Yes, it does. So buy less gear and put that gear money into practicing and you will not have spent any more money. And you might say, if I would have bought the gear, then I'd have something. You will have skills if you practice. Skills that you will have forever. The gear will only last so long. You're actually ahead if you do the practicing. But nonetheless, make sure you guys head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Send me a message. We'd love to hear from you. Leave a review on iTunes. Till next time, God bless you guys and go get them in the woods. Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. 
It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.